How's it, internet? And welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. The only SharePoint show in South Africa where everything is not made up and there are no points. Good afternoon, Al. How's it, Mr. Modlin? As always, I'm doing very well, man. Excited yeah. for another Two Guys in SharePoint. Oh, and Jan's almost over. It's been going quickly, eh? Hey? Yeah, but do you have money left, though? That's the other thing. Oh, uh, could always use some more. <laughs> so so you get the last salty crack, and then you run out of salty cracks, and you actually have the salt out of the packet that the salty crack came in. That's too many cracks for me. <laughs> All right, uh, a brand new year, 2017, looking forward to it? Uh, it's going to be an exciting year, and um, we're all running a pace, which yeah. is awesome. And so is the show. So who do we have on the episode today, Al? Well, we saw the weird uh, Oros man get elected or inaugurated as the president of the United States on Friday. And over the weekend, we saw a million people get together protesting, uh, what's the phrase, grab him on the... So today's show is really about all of that and what the issues are not only in the US but generally with women in technology. And so today, our formidable uh, woman in technology is Tracy van der Scaife. We've had her on before and we, we actually want to discuss things around how she got, well, we know how she got into IT, but what her experiences were specifically around the whole drive behind women in IT. We know that uh, women do not get paid the same as men, and Microsoft's got a strong push around diversity and inclusion, um, not only around women, but LGBT and, and, and. So we, we really want to emphasize and, and unpack the issues that Tracy and women alike in the IT industry, more specifically in the Microsoft IT world, and uh, what her experiences have been and uh, how she's managed to overcome it. So welcome, Tracy. How's it, guys? It's, um, it's really nice being back. Yeah, welcome back to the podcast. For the people who maybe didn't catch your last episode, which they should because it was really good, um, can you give us a five-minute bio of who <laughs> you are and what you really? do? I get five minutes. <laughs> 30 seconds. <laughs> Shoot, that went. Keep talking. escalated quickly. <laughs> so, um, so yes, um, obviously up here in Joburg, at, uh, currently with, uh, with GT Consult, um, I head up the academy. I think my strong focus uh, in life is always change management and user adoption. But uh, I've always um, and I've always been interested in SharePoint and the Microsoft side of things. And uh, I've built many solutions, do workflows as well. Come from a compliance background, so uh, so I've been in SharePoint for for many years. And um, yeah, so that's one, my thirty seconds. <laughs> one of the top names in our industry. So we've been talking a bit earlier on before we uh, kicked off the recording about your experiences through the various roles that you've had and how it's morphed into where you are right now as a, a SharePoint MVP or an office servers and services MVP uh, focusing on SharePoint. And uh, let's just recap some of those things and, and the hardships that you had to endure as a female working in industry and more specifically in the IT industry. I mean, some of the things that you mentioned earlier on, and we don't necessarily have to go through that, uh, was rather harrowing. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it has to be bad. I, I've had a good life, okay, and I've, I've had great opportunities because I work hard and I don't say no for new opportunities, and I think that's what everyone should know. It's not just a, a race or a place or something. 
but uh, but but yes, it's 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 been an interesting road, and it's very difficult to compare. I mean, I've never been in a man's shoes, so how do I actually compare the life I've had to whether it's better or worse? But uh, but yeah, I've had some some interesting things happened to me over the last couple of years where you'd go into meetings and all the guys would look up and say, okay, Trace, um, I'll have a cup of coffee and two teas there for Bob and Peter or something. And that happened very often. I mean, it's really something that they tend to to look at you as you're more there in an administrative role or to serve, I suppose. <laughs> and and you just have to, I think, what uh, as all hardships do in life, you just have to get mean. <laughs> So so I had to toughen up and I had to just be uh, louder and stronger at what I do and just not take it. I just wouldn't get offended by it. But it's it's definitely, I think there they are women out there who struggle much more than, than what I've had to face. And uh, and the focus on that, of course, is great these days. But uh, but yes, it's been uh, it's been interesting. Are you seeing that 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 slowing down now less because people are growing in a more equal society? compared to what the world was like 20 years ago, not specifically to South Africa, although I do want to touch on the specifics around South Africa versus the rest of the world when it comes to um, diversity in organizations as well as women in organizations. I think a big change we've had even before we come to uh, whether being a woman in IT is something big that I've seen change this last couple of years is that experience has become very important again. And I actually think that's what's created the, the shift. Um, because years ago, it was very difficult for me to find a job somewhere without being certified in it or having a degree or a diploma or something. And, um, and then it started changing. The last couple of years, experience definitely um, would be the main thing they would look for. And I think that gave women in IT then the chance to excel if they had experience in the right field. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a choice based on gender, and it's not supposed to be a choice just based on something you've studied, but it's the value that you can add to any business and, and whether you have life experience that goes with it because that's important. And that's the big change that I feel that we've had. Yeah, we're, uh, we're told we're in a, we've got a chronic skills shortage um, in these spaces in IT, so um, that maybe makes it a bit easier. I mean, it's it's easy for me to talk, you know, I'm, living life on easy mode um, if it's a computer game. It's very much easy mode um, for us. But, yeah, and I, I think we can all be a little bit better about how we treat women in IT, as you said, you know, get the coffee, what, what. <laughs> um, we've all got a part to play to keep in front of mind, I guess. So just bringing it a bit home, in South Africa, we obviously know that due to apartheid and oppression and the stuff that we've gone through, uh, we've only been post-apartheid, what, about 20, 20 21, yeah, 22 yeah. years now. Um, how, how do you think that's also uh, played a role in, for women and, and, and especially now with women in IT in South Africa coming to the fore? We're seeing a lot of that being pushed by Microsoft. Uh, yes, the same things in, in, in America, I suppose. Um, it's actually a little bit cray-cray because they've got the orange cookie monster running around. Um, doing his weird and wonderful things, uh, but what would you, what advice would you give uh, young women coming up wanting to go into IT, especially those that, you know, a lot of people finishing school going to tech. And I was actually chatting to uh, a guy at the office the other day, and he, I said to him, "Well, 
Let me guess the three things that you thought you could be after doing a BCom IT or a BTEC or whatever they call. It's either a DBA or it's a BA or it's a, a developer. Uh, do you see those roles changing um, when it comes to women? Because women wouldn't necessarily, I mean, we haven't seen women come through. They more go into the art side, the creative side around um, user experience, UI design, um, desktop publishing and those sort of things. Whereas we don't see women coming into IT saying, well, I want to be a network engineer. Yeah, so it's going to be an interesting one. Got to be so careful with these things. I think, again, we shouldn't, we shouldn't forget that we're different, okay? And we all have different skills and strengths. And, and, I, and I, I understand why women tend to most go for the creative and the BA type roles or that type of thing. And maybe it's just been a taboo for so many years that there must probably like a kind of self-conditioned thinking that that's not a role that they would fit into. Um, so, yeah, that's, that, that is tricky. I, I, can't, I hope it will change because I've met some crazy, amazing, very, very technical um, chicks who, who does like really rock star stuff. So, so it will definitely change more. I think as it opens more and as it's more acceptable – and, and as you're more allowed into that geeky, you know, little community, I think there will be more. I think the, maybe the girls have just chosen the, the safer route to take where there wasn't, you know, opposition around it. And, and I definitely think that will change. Yeah, as, as I think as we see more role models such as yourself in the industry, um, just so that they can see what's possible. Um, and as it becomes more common, you'll get more people interested in it and funnily enough from, it'll from, snowball. From, from, a, from a user experience perspective I trust women over men so when it comes to graphic design it's um, horribly sexist though uh, but I'm pro-woman in this case because I think it's still horribly sexist no? <laughs> even more so <laughs> uh, I think they've got a much better eye for design than, than us Neanderthals have because uh, have my, you seen how he dresses he spends wrong? a lot of time on his dressing. But, but, but that's why he gets it so wrong. It's because he puts so much effort into it. <laughs> All right. Here's another uh, yeah, bashing. But, but uh, user experience, where it's at, you look at the top 10 uh, jobs out there. Uh, currently, according to, I think it's according to LinkedIn for 2017, um, cloud and data center architecture is number one. But user experience, UX design, UI design, um, user interface computing is really where it's at. And women tend to excel so much better and are so much better at it than us Neanderthal men are at it. Because if I would I would prefer hiring a woman in that because I know she'd be better than a man at it because a man is rough. And it's, I, just, I just think that women would be better at graphic design than men. Yeah, I kind of disagree with you in that. I think you have to take everybody as an individual with what their skills and experience and and everything does. And you, you just have to pick the best person for the job regardless. Um, that's in, the, in the ideal world, every job application would be completely anonymized. Yeah. Uh, and you'd get... I like the idea though. Yeah, it sounds pretty good, right? Mm. Um, with a Cortana and, and you'd voice. Just get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it like Cortana. Yeah, exactly. You, you like could, a virtual reality, like job interview. You yeah. can pick your avatar. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Um, that, that 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 would solve a sort of lot of problems. I mean, we're not there at the moment. I think the IT industry um, and Microsoft specifically are making um, a push to sort of level the playing fields because they haven't been level for a long time. And 
it does have an impact. I think IT, the IT industry is, um, it, it is sort of a, a good place to go because so much of it is skills based. Um, the skills are in demand, and if if you can do the work and you can do it well, um, you you can you can succeed at it. Again, I'm speaking on easy mode. Um, what do you mm. think, Trace? Again, it comes back to skill, and that's what I said earlier. And if, if and Alistair actually asked me if I could give advice to anyone, it would be exactly that. It's just like work really hard and learn as much as you can and be exposed to as many things as you can. And and don't, I mean, the only fences we have is in our heads. The stuff we tell ourselves that we can't do is in our heads. So, so maybe that's what will change it. Maybe we're just too conditioned to... Like Al said, and it's very true what he says, a lot of people have that type of thinking where women would be better um, designers or something. Um, just because we're better at everything. But, I mean, that's just a very bland statement. So, um, Won't argue. <laughs> yeah, but, we, won't, we won't even try and <laughs> like, laugh about it. We might just get lambasted. But it, but it, is, it is about skill. And it's, I think it's very importantly about passion. I've seen so many people that still lack some of the skill, but they've got enough passion and enough uh, go-getting to get them there. I mean, sometimes you have to just take the challenge and learn on the way and get there. And that's how you learn and that's how you get new skills. So before we jump into the Microsoft initiative around uh, women in IT, because I think it's, it's quite a good story, uh, I just want to talk about your role as an influencer in the Microsoft community. Uh, we see that, and it's more around being a female influencer in the Microsoft community co compared to uh, a male influencer in the Microsoft community. Do you see a difference in that? Like speaking at conferences, are you treated differently? Um, uh, what's your engagement like with, with the community? I mean, you've done quite a few rodeos now with SharePoint Saturday in South Africa. You've spoken internationally as well, SharePoint Saturday UK and those sort of things. Uh, how, how, what's your experience like engaging with speakers? Because we all sit in the speaker room. Uh, yeah. Do you find that there's, there's a split somehow? So I'll be really honest about this one because obviously everything else I've said leading up to this was a lie, but um, <laughs> kidding. So I'm going to use an example, um, the MVP Summit uh, that I went to in, uh, in November. So, so very honored and very pleased to have gotten um, my MVP award. And, and I, was, I was petrified of going to the summit. I was really scared of going there because I felt I wouldn't fit in. I just thought it was me against the world. And, and all those IT techie geeky dudes would just think I'm stupid. And what am I doing there? You know, oh, there's the goal, the barista. <laughs> that would have been funny. But, uh, but I think what they pointed wasn't. I was really, they, I felt part of it. I didn't feel different. I think, I think our biggest challenges, and again, like I said, fences is what's in our heads, is what we expect. So, so maybe a lot of the feelings I had around um, conferences and doing things was much more on my side than it was real experience because I expected it because I've had that in my life. So I kind of expected people to treat me different just because of my goal. And then it actually didn't go like that. It's really changed quite a lot. And, and I think everyone that we surround, that's why community is so important. It's everyone that we surround ourselves with become, become family. It's what you associate yourself with. And, um, and these people care for you and like you and give you credit for what you do and what your skills are. It's not a question of anything else. I mean, that's how you build your credibility. 
Yeah, on that point, uh, Microsoft, uh, their role in women in IT, it's actually it's actually a theme in Microsoft. It's been that way for a yes. while. Uh, you see it at every conference that Microsoft arranges. There'll always be a women in IT booth or a women in IT uh, evening or a women in IT dinner or a breakfast. Uh, I think it's great. I commend Microsoft for doing that. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about it? I mean, you've had some exposure to it. What is it? How does it work? All those things. Okay, so um, it's definitely been around uh, for a couple of years, I think. Um, and couple not being two. <laughs> yeah, more than a couple, yeah. So um, I only really became aware of it. Um, it was launched outside Joburg, um, had their first uh, like kind of a breakfast thing for it uh, in November. Um, sadly, I couldn't make it, so I really want to be more involved in it this year. So I don't have first-hand experience yet. I've read up a lot about it. So I've... Uh, met some people and uh, I do think it's a great thing to do because at the end of the day that sense of belonging we have to belong to something specific and maybe that's just exactly what some people need is to be able to go and belong to something and be a community and a very big focus for them and as you said before it's oh, it's diversity and all of those as well but but I think the most important thing here is 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 creating a place of belonging and um helping people build community, but also giving back. I keep on seeing that um, in their, their mission and their vision statements, their values. It's all about giving back. It's all about ha- helping people that are less fortunate. Um, and for me, this this isn't just a woman and IT thing. If, if, if we could all just uh, be different and act different and treat people better, it would just be a better place. But uh, I really do like what they're doing because it's putting focus on it. And, and also, I think um, maybe for some women out there, that didn't get mean like me, that still like stands back in the shadows a little bit and that's scared to speak up. Maybe this becomes a platform for them to be able to, to, to step up and to become stronger. So how did they get involved in this initiative? Is there somewhere that they can go? Is there a site? Uh, are those sort of things? So they, they, that's all quite established right now, eh? It is, yeah. So um, I'm actually just quickly uh, browsing here so that I can get it. So it's, uh, and I honestly don't know what it stands for, which is even worse, but IAMCP, yes, Women in the, Technology. Yes, the Microsoft chapter stuff. It runs across. It's not specific. So that's so the IAMCP. Am I right in yeah. saying that? Um, it's, it's actually part of the partner network. It is part of the partner network. Yes, that's the right. Microsoft yeah. partner network. So um, this they is a, have, and they've got a woman in IT chapter. It's a chapter that they have in chapter inside. That's correct. So if you had to go, um, the, the address, the site that you can go to is www.iamcp.org. Yes. Um, and you'll get, and this is happening all across yeah. the world. You can actually obviously. register as a member, you male can, or female. And for their newsletter. Yes. And everything, yes. So uh, it's definitely, so it's the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners. Yes. Here we go. That was solved quickly. Yeah. So it actually started in Seattle. The guy that uh, is also spearheading it from our side that we know is Jeff Shuey. Um, he's very much involved in the IAMCP, um, IAMCP, right? IAMCP, yeah. yes. So we, we do have a <laughs> the chapter acronyms in Acronyms or not. Uh, there, there are people registered. You can actually just register and they have, I think it's it's bi-monthly or quarterly uh, meetups specifically around the channel partners. Although the, the partner program has changed once again because it's, it's, it's morphed now, which we'll talk about in the news. But yes, there, there is a woman in IT or a woman in technology yes. chapter inside of that. That's so right. ladies, please uh, go onto the site, register. Microsoft will reach out to you and get in contact with Tracy. I mean, Tracy is a shining example of how you can actually excel in the Microsoft space uh, for companies and, and doing great work, even though you might feel that being a female is a disadvantage to you in a, a 
predominantly male-driven industry. Okay, so as mentioned, um, the site can be hit um, iamcp.org, but I'd like to actually uh, take you through to another site. It's going to be a bit of a longer URL, but uh, I'll just read it out for you. So this is the Women in Technology site, which is on the um, Microsoft Partner um, website. So partner.microsoft.com forward slash en hyphen us. Well, you can actually just do partner.microsoft.com forward slash community forward slash WIT, Women in Technology. And there we go. And there's a great spot there that uh, tells you where to sign up. And it's also got a lovely brochure that you can download just to see what the vision is and the values around uh, this community. Well, thanks, Tracy, for coming on. Uh, Absolutely. How can people get all of you on the Twitter Twitterates and the interwebs? Okay, so it's at uh, Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y-V-D-S. Um, that's Twitter. Um, I've got a blog as well. Crazy, crazy blog. Yeah, you're closing in on your 365-day yeah, challenge. That's super. I can see one big um, milk drinking party coming up <laughs> in 37 days. So, yeah, so my challenge is, uh, is done in 37 days, which is pretty cool. Congrats. Uh, Thanks, man. So that's, uh, interesting times. that's tracyfunderscaif.com. You guys must all go check out that blog. It's really, it's really, really good stuff. Thanks, man. Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot, Tracy, and we'll chat to you guys. soon, soon. Appreciate it. Thanks. So our next segment, our usual feature segment is In the News. Yes, so the first item of news we've got today, um, Microsoft have made two new acquisitions this month. Um, the first of them is a Canadian deep learning company called Maluba. Yes, I saw a bit about that. Uh, I think it was on the back of Google buying some AI machine learning company as well about two, three weeks ago. Yeah, they're... We're in the, the race for AI now, which is very cool. Um, everybody's really making a big push for it. Oh, but um, Microsoft seemed to be going down the IoT route more than um, everyone else. Microsoft hasn't, Apple as well, no one's come out with a proper sort of uh, digital assistant or an artificial assistant. Uh, we've got Siri, Cortana, uh, Google Now, and uh, Alexa from from. Amazon, but Microsoft hasn't really. I mean, Google now you can buy an appliance. Uh, Amazon Echo and Echo Dot you can buy an appliance that you plug in and it does all your things. You can't buy a. Well, there was some talk. I think they it was B and O, and we mentioned it last week as well around an appliance so that you can start talking to Cortana without having to physically press a button. And yeah. Apple hasn't done it either. Yeah, I mean, Microsoft is not a hardware company. Um, but, so they so they'll, they'll, they're concentrating on on getting the software working properly and working well. And at some point in the future, I'm sure there'll be a, a single point. I mean, you can pick it up on your Windows phone, on your Windows 10 desktop, laptop, whatever the case is. So for the moment, I, I scheme they're happy with that. The other acquisition they made is a company called Simply Gone, um, which is a 3D data optimization vendor. So they've got a lot of IP around um, gathering 3D data and um, encrypting that and retrieving it and, and and all that sort of stuff. So it's a play for um, the HoloLens suite of apps, making all of those. Let's not go down this road. We're not going to get into another argument like we did last week about augmented reality and all of those things. Well, one day you'll do your research and then we can ignore <laughs> that. But yeah, this is Microsoft playing more in that space and... Um, I suppose it's a sign of their further commitment to to that platform. Are they going to use it for visualization as well? Do you think it will pull through into uh, the acquisition of DataZen with SQL uh, Server 2016 reporting services? From from what I understood, 
um, about this company, their their IP will play across the entire stack. So um, it makes it should make all their dealing with these uh, 3D data assets a lot more efficient. So they're using up less space in RAM and on your drives. Um, whether you're putting whether you're collecting 3D data by scanning something or rendering it or um, saving that data in, in some sort of format. Yeah, just on that rendering thing. So the newest company to get into the IoT space is Asus. They've actually launched a Raspberry Pi competitor that, according to them, will do 4K streaming. 4K streaming, mate, out of a $55 device. That's super cool. Yeah. It is. Processing so power is cheap these days. Apparently so. Yeah, next step, what do you want to talk about, Rod? Um, we chatted a little bit on the last episode about how Microsoft is not a, a hardware vendor. Yes. And they're they're using the Surface line as a blueprint for their, for their partners. And um, to bear fruit in that, um, Dell have released the Canvas 27, which is basically a Surface Studio clone. So it's not a, it doesn't um, pivot down like the studio does. It's a, it's a horizontal. Uh, sort of tabletop type. Yeah, thing. it's a tabletop sort of thing. And it uses the. The dial. The dial. And you can use the pen with it and that sort of stuff. So it's, it's Dell's, Dell's version of, of the, of the Surface Studio. Um, that one, the Dell one starts from $1,800. Oh, that's completely cheaper. Which is much cheaper. So the studio starts at three thousand. So as I said, that's not even the bad boy. The bad boy is four triple nine. Yeah. Same with the Dell. You know, that's the starting price. Um, but we, it, it's another instance that we can see Microsoft says, "Look, this is what you can build with our technologies," and then the hardware vendors go, yeah, "Cool, let's seen, let's seen, make something like that," which is awesome. Yeah. Microsoft has actually got a, an entire department dedicated to just research, and it's like with Hololens. Uh, they opened up the ecosystem to partners to develop on top of the technology. And HoloLens, like you said, it's still not it's not mainstream. It's not it's not like you can go out and just magically order one um, like you can with the Oculus Rift and uh, some of the NVIDIA stuff that you can literally go online and purchase. Although you can purchase HoloLens, it's not uh, yeah you can consumer. get the you can get the dev kit. It's not yeah, it's yeah. not in public release yeah. yet. All right, next one. Um, something that is in public release now is the Staff Hub app in office 365 so yes. it was in public preview it is now officially available to the public and you will get it in your k1 e1 e3 and e5 0365 plans I, I, i'm tickled pink to see it uh, well not to see it i've, I've worked with it uh, uh, quite extensively since november although back in november it was only um, available on your the k in uh, k1 is actually a kiosk uh subscription plan to Office 365, so it's not an enterprise plan. And I'm glad to see that they've opened it up to enterprise plans because there's quite a few other applications I'll probably be blogging about later next week around what you can use the staff up. Because staff up is supposed to be for temp employees, but you can actually do well, quite a bit more with it. And I think that's yeah. why they've opened it up. The, the staff up is specifically for um, shift workers. Yeah. So it's an app that will allow you to organize your shift workers and give them a place where they can trade shifts and manage all of that and their leave and everything. And it's supposed to be for um, the computerless staff so they can pull it up on their phone yeah. or on a kiosk under the, key, uh, yeah. under also, the K1 if plan. If you look at food and beverage retail, uh, that sort of space is uh, 
most of them, a lot of them are hired based on that premise. So you could literally go in and actually have these people checking in and clocking, clocking in and clocking out without having the old rudimentary sort of card-based system that you put into a machine and take it out, yep. which is quite neat. Stick it on a tablet. Uh, as they come in, they uh, biometrically just the sign and they, they read through right there. Yep. So what else we got in the news, Al? So, uh, something I want to talk about, uh, which has been... Uh, I wouldn't say plaguing me. It's been an interesting couple of weeks around our discussion on Yammer. I got right through the calls about two weeks ago around it. And I'd like to talk about Yammer getting the full groups experience now. So like we've seen with teams, when you create a team, you get a group, you're now getting groups coming right through. You've got a OneNote and all of those things yeah. coming through for the Yammer experience. And they're improving on that. They haven't changed much around the GUI, which let's hope that uh, engineering teams listening to this podcast and they actually go down that road and bring it into the 21st century like you see with, with Teams and like you see with the rest of the companion apps because it's still based on the architecture of 2012. Uh, it's not a companion app. It's still run in the traditional sense of how apps were built back in, in 2012. That hasn't changed. And I think for Yammer to become cool again, like Francois predicted last month, last week actually, it's it's going to have to move into the companion ecosystem and utilize the companion tool sets like they have with everything else. And just on that, uh, I'm interested to see how they're actually going to price stuff up because we started looking at the way they're pricing flow. Yeah. And that was an interesting conversation because Microsoft doesn't really have a rudimentary de facto go-to workflow engine for Office 365 like they used to have back in the old days with SharePoint 2010, 2013. You could spin up SharePoint Designer, build some cool workflows and actually process, do some process management that way. Office 365, not so much. It's not as rich either. Um, They're still stabilizing on... Uh, the APIs and all of those things, uh, and they don't have as many methods as you would have on the on-prem versions of products. Like you look at Nintex. Nintex is a perfect example. Nintex for 2016, rich user experience. Nintex, based on the old app model sitting in the cloud, is not as rich as you would see. And you've actually seen now Nintex move into the workflow cloud, which is outside of SharePoint. And we'll have a full a full uh, episode on where Nintex is going with that in the coming weeks. So it's interesting to see how Microsoft's actually starting to price all these products. So you've got the free version like you had with Power BI, depending on what SKU you're on. And then they're pricing it for the amount of flows per user. So you've got plan one, plan two. Um, There's sort of an intermediate plan, which kind of does nothing, but it does something. And then you can buy additional Instances Not flows, of flows. instantiations of flows. Yeah, so as I understand how it's working is um, you get across all the plans, including the free one, you can build um, as many flows as you want. Um, you get an infinite number of flows that you can build. Um, and then you have a cap on the number of instances of the flow that you're running. Um, and you get that cap per user. So if you have 10 users in your organization, you'll get 10 times that number and then there's various degrees, whether you're free or in one of the paid plans, as to how many of those instantiations you get um, per user. Oh, I wonder how you're going to measure those sort of things. It's going to be interesting to note. I think maybe that's why they put uh, they actually built Flow and Pi apps into the admin center in Office 365 so you can get some metrics out of it, also measure it. Well, 
also based on that, depending on what plan you're on, uh, there are timelines around how often the flow runs. Yes, that's a good point as well. The Under the free one, the timer service that's actually processing these flows only runs once every 15 minutes. Yes. So that's that's going to be very slow. If you've got a multiple step flow, um, it could take hours um, to run through it. Um, and then it goes down to, I think, every three minutes at the top plan. Yeah, it's actually down to every one minute on the every, top plan. Every minute on the so top plan. So plan two, which is probably around, on, if you have an E5 SKU, you'd use something like a plan two, and that comes out to $15 per user per month. And it's not per user that's interacting with the flow. It's the user that's kicking off the flow. And we had an interesting discussion around uh, a company that sells dynamics. So they want to get away from worrying about workflows because workflows are built in. So they were talking about, okay, so can we use flow for dynamics? And the idea behind that really is instead of using a user, because the problem with flow is it's based per user. So if the user leaves, the flow dies. Is actually to create a role and assign it an Office 365 license because the role will always be there. Yes. And utilize it that way instead of saying, well, initiate the workflow from a user base. And it's going to get interesting and tricky, especially if Microsoft decides to move into the enterprise space with this and how that is going to affect the partner ecosystem with the likes of Nintex, Flowcentrix, uh, K2, and, and, and all the other workflow providers. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because at the moment, this is posi positioned very much as a, a power user app. So... I have a power user and I have a process I need to run so I can quickly go into flow and, and build it out there and run it and, and it'll be fine. Be interesting to see whether they put it into a more enterprise-wide sort of version where you can run large processes off it um, unattached from a specific user so you can set different triggers. And, and let's see if Yammer actually integrates into flow. That would be interesting. That would be quite cool too. I'm pretty sure you could do that now through their bot framework. So you could have a bot in... Or put a Yammer bot into... Yeah, you, you could have a bot in Yammer that you tell it, hey, bot, start process X, and it knows process X is is this flow and it can kick it off. Um, th those bots, I'm pretty sure, have tie-ins both into Yammer uh, and into oh, the flow API. To know how they connect through Office Graph into it to actually now go initiate that, seeing as Yammer is getting the full groups experience. Yeah. Entirely possible. All right, uh, February is uh, looking at like a great month for South Africa. We're getting the official tech summit from Microsoft on the 6th and the 7th of February. It's the, I think it's the replacement, well, I wouldn't say it's a replacement to the Office 365 summit. It's more focused around Microsoft's current trending technologies, like everything that's happening in Azure. So it is at the Santon Convention Center from the 6th to the 7th of Feb. Please come along. It's free. So you don't have to pay to get there. Well, you have to pay to get there, but you don't have to pay to attend. They feed you as well. It's a full day. I think it starts at 10 in the morning and it runs all the way to 6 at night. Uh, we will be there in full force. We will also be manning the tech community booth. And there's also a whole bunch of initiatives on the, I think it's the Monday night. There'll be an Ask the Experts panel from 6 to 7. Um, it's covering the full spectrum. I think... I'm not too sure how many people will be on the panels. I think it's more of a round robin. The Office 365 people will be sitting at the Office 365 table. So please come along if you have any questions. Come ask us. And if you want to tweet about it, the official hashtag for the Tech Summit is MS Tech Summit. Hashtag MS Tech Summit. 
That's going to be super cool. We look forward to seeing all of you guys there. Definitely. Uh, we won't be having a booth, but we will be running around asking you all some random questions about where you see Microsoft going in the future. Yeah, so that should be a fun episode to listen out for too. Definitely. All right. Uh, the one thing that's been keeping me up at night um, is the launch of the new Information Worker Community site uh, for two reasons. One, the old IW site was actually hacked last week. Wow. <laughs> it was hosted on WordPress. Um, not on actually the WordPress, WordPress, WordPress. A personal was, WordPress server. A personal server. WordPress server. And my service provider actually pulled the site down because someone injected some code into one of the plugins and we pulled it down. That's why if you go to informationalworker.org, there's a countdown timer. But coincidentally, it worked, at, just at, it worked out perfectly well because we are launching the new Information Worker site first uh, of Feb, it goes live and we've got a couple of new initiatives because it's been almost a year. It's been 11 months and we've listened to the community. So there's a couple of things that we are doing. We're changing the site into a static HTML5, very, very sexy, responsive site. The old site was responsive, but it wasn't sexy. We're also launching a forum. Uh, we've been inundated with calls saying, well, when we have a question, what do we do with it? We've registered as a member. Nothing else is happening there. We don't like gamification. We actually want to ask questions. So what we've done is we've created a Slack channel, which will be live on the 1st of Feb, and you'll have a, well, a Slack community, not a Slack channel. We've got a Slack page, and there's a bunch of channels in that. So when you want to ask questions around how do I do specific things for on-prem, Office 365, third-party apps, any general suggestions, we'll be able to do it through that added to that we've got a proper schedule builder now for the in-person events that we'll be running on the second tuesday of every month uh, next month is february so it'll be on the 14th i don't expect to see many people there uh, but you'll be able to see a full schedule builder there also if you want to speak at the information worker community you'll be able to register as a speaker submit your sessions and you'll get an approval or a re rejected method not the way it's currently been run added to that we're launching an internship program which we're very excited about uh, one of the iw leads johan Mayberg, will be spearheading it with joshua Jobar and uh, francois pinna as well the real francois pinna uh, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter there will be an online and print publication and I don't think I'm I'm leaving anything else. Oh, there will also be a YouTube channel. So if you've missed the event or you can't get to our, our monthly community nights, we'll be live streaming from Johannesburg to start with. And you'll be able to pick this up live or after the event, you'll be able to watch what we've we've recorded and strangely enough the information the worker community needs to thank two guys in sharepoint for investing all their time effort and money into making sure the technology works so that they can just plug in and carry on with that i think we should actually get them to sponsor our stuff matt i don't know how you feel about that sounds good to me but i'm i'm all for helping out the community and yeah. giving back so that and, works too and speaking about community we are launching the first Nintex community user group in South Africa. It will be run in Cape Town and in Johannesburg. And we're also hoping to go live with that site and that initiative on the 1st of Feb. So it's specifically to Nintex. It will be called Nintex for Noobs. Um, come along. We will already have Nintex industry experts. You know you can go to community.nintex.com. You can have all of that. But it's nice to have a 
quarterly or a bi-monthly roundtable discussion where people in South Africa talk about real-world experiences they have in the trenches in South Africa, not just based it on a user-defined action that someone's created in Europe that doesn't apply to South Africa. So we're also very excited to talk about that. That's super, super cool. And Rod, we are definitely going to lean on you heavily, um, seeing as you are uh, the go-to guy when it comes to all things Nintex. Um, I don't know if I'd categorize myself with that, but I have worked for it. Uh, I have worked with it quite a bit, so I'm happy to um, share my experiences and, and learn from everybody else who comes through. That sounds like a lot of fun. Good stuff. I think is that it, Rod? I'm not too sure. Do you have any other top tips there that you want to highlight? Um, I think that's it for the news for this week. Oh, we haven't done one of these in a while. Yes, it's our PowerShell commandlet of the week. Dum, dum, dum. This is a very simple commandlet. Um, I randomized my list and I came up with a nice simple one. So the commandlet today is get-sprm settings. Um, and basically what this does, there are, there are no uh, parameters you have to pass into this. You can make an... Uh, you can assign a collection to it if you're doing scripting and stuff. Probably you won't. Um, what this does is it returns the infor- the information rights management settings for your farm. So do you think people know what RM is? Um, that is quite a big topic. I think they do. I think people are aware of what RM is. So SharePoint has a framework that you can use to... Um, well, in actual fact, it ships as part of Windows Server. So information rights management is it used to be called rights management services and you needed a client and all of those things. But IRM is actually part of your Windows Server deployment for on-prem. In the cloud, pretty much the same thing. Flip a switch and IRM is now available across the network. You literally go into central admin, you go to the IRM settings and you tell it what server to use. Yes. And it's so enabled. What, what it does is you can set up settings and rules to control how people access the information they have. If they can download certain files, if they have access to it here or there, um, that, that is the informa- information rights management. It's supposed to be a framework to enable you to control um, your data and make sure it doesn't leak out. It's actually quite fascinating and a lot of people a lot of people don't know about it and they don't use it effectively. Most of the time, in back in the old days, we went, well, okay, shit. We need to now create a PDF of this document and then stop them from copy-pasting text out of it. With IRM, that actually gets applied to not only PDFs, but to any Microsoft document. And the policy is actually applied when you try and open the document, not while the document's in the library. So the policy gets applied as soon as you click on the document to do anything with it which is quite neat, and it's not only specific to PDFs. But I'm sorry, I don't believe in IRM because we all have cell phones. So if you really wanted to make a copy of the document, you take a picture of it because you can still view it. Yeah, there there is always a human element in these, but um, it is a a useful framework, and that's how you get the settings for it in your farm if you don't know where to do that. By the way, it does not work with SharePoint Foundation. There are no Office Protector files in SharePoint Foundation. You'd have to compile it manually. So please don't think you can use SharePoint Foundation for this. It doesn't work. Trust me. Yeah, I mean, uh, IRM is very much an enterprise-level requirement. Until someone has SharePoint Foundation. And (laughs) if, if you're running SharePoint Foundation for your enterprise, you're doing it wrong. 
Also, you can have an IRM server running without SharePoint and you can actually enable policies in the Office document itself. So it's not just limited to SharePoint. Cool. So I think that's it for this week. Yeah, so uh, how do people find us, Rod? Yes, thank you all for joining us. Um, You can find us online at twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. We're also on Twitter at twoguyssharepoint. I'm at oddmodlin and Al. I'm at Alistair Pugin, and we've got our presenters, not our presenters, our producers. Um, you can grab them on Twitter. They're the official Skynet AI bot, so 2GAS underscore AI. Um, they're the ones that give us official instruction on what to do. This is the first I've heard of it, but I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers, cheers.